Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Nightmares Podcast, where we talk about all things horror-centric. Video games, comics, TV shows, movies, if it's horror, we will talk about it. I'm joined here today with my good friends, Brandon Murkowski and Mark Conway. We are... We're talking Zach, about this is just a mini cast. Uh, okay. Brad, explain what a mini cast is. All right. So, welcome to the second of the of the Midwest Horror Network's mini cast, the nightmares, the nightmares mini cast, I should say. Uh, these are for topics that we want to talk about, but might not necessarily be enough to fulfill an entire full length nightmares podcast episode. Or if there's like a movie or a book or video game that one of us wants to talk about, but the other guys might not be familiar with, this is a nice, quick way for us to get the information out to everyone. Yes, indeed. And of course, these will be coming to video soon, sooner than later, hopefully within the next month. That is the current scheduled plan. We will absolutely see what happens. But yeah, just be aware that that is in the pipeline. We will move away from that stupid little graphic i made over a year ago just to put to these podcasts so yes you will be able to see our ugly ass faces sooner than later (laughs) i know it's scary to look at mark's face but you know i know i know it's crazy i know um uh, the uh but uh yeah so stay with us be patient we will have it to you very very soon so uh i came up with this particular idea the um, I am actually a massive documentary fan. I watch a lot. Um, watch a lot of them. I really enjoy them. I think Netflix. That's actually something that Netflix does very, very well. Is they have a really good library of different documentaries, um, and I, I'm, I like I like to learn. Kind of a nerd like that. The um, you like to learn. I do like to learn. Are I'm you sure? Positive. I like to learn about different things that that fascinate me. I have a large variety of of different things. And Netflix, and Netflix does a really good job about you know satisfying that. If it isn't Netflix, it's probably YouTube, and then over to Amazon, um, and then Hulu. They both, uh, that would probably be my ranking for the uh, places I would go ahead and look up documentaries. So um, I was actually on a plane to Florida, and I was going with my girlfriend, and I happened to look over, and she had recorded or excuse me downloaded a episode of a documentary series called The Night Stalker. Which is about Richard Ramirez. And not about Kolchak. That is correct. <laughs> um, uh, and so I was like, oh, it's like, what's that about? And I was like, oh, she's like, oh, it's a new documentary that they started on Netflix. It's all about the Night Stalker. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then I had just gotten back um, uh, and I was unfolding clothes and clean, you know, cleaning my place. And I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, gonna to check out that documentary um, series. I, I always like to have that being played. And. I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was an excellent documentary. It really goes into um, to this guy. Um, I didn't realize how fucked up this guy is. Like beyond beyond like the the amount of crimes and the plethora of crimes that he did. And I love. And I'm gonna get into spoilers just a little bit. But if you have not seen it, turn it off right now. Come and talk to us later. But I highly. It is a true story, after all. It is a documentary. It's a documentary. I know. The uh, spoiler warnings aren't necessary here. It was. Fucking history. Fair enough. Fair enough. History the, from before you were born. That is very true. Um, so before any of us were born. Yeah. Actually. If, if for anybody who's not familiar, the Night Stalker was Richard Ramirez. He killed uh, I don't know like 30, 30 people um, in the nineteen eighties from like nineteen eighty seventy nine all the way up to like nineteen eighty four nineteen eighty five. Nineteen eighty seventy nine. 
the uh, 7980 um, in that time period. That's when he started. Um, uh, and I then, believe it was mid 80s. I think it was like somewhere between 84 and 86. If yeah, I the, the bulk of the documentary takes place in the mid 80s. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and the um, and they kind of go through. It. And then one part I really liked about that it was it was about him, but it didn't. It was very honest about like this person's a psychopath and you should not like him. The um, uh, well, like, it's I feel like you're kind of shortchanging what the documentary it, actually it, is it, here because it's not. I mean, yes, it's about him, but it's, but about it's the, not about him. It's about the victims, the, and it's about, it's the, about the investigation. Yes, correct. It's basically what David Fincher's Zodiac movie was for the Zodiac yes. killer. Yeah. How, even though it was about the Zodiac killer, it wasn't following the Zodiac killer. It was following the people investigating him. This is like that, but a documentary. It's following the point of view of the investigating homicide unit. Yeah, see, I ended up watching a different documentary than these two. These guys watched the Netflix one. I watched one that I ended up finding on uh, YouTube. It was an hour long. I want to say maybe it was, um, I don't know, ABC or something like that. That's probably wrong, but still. The documentary I watched actually focused more on him, the people he knew, and how, you know, his child life and how he got to where he was, so... Seems like it. I, I watched an 11 minute trailer for the Netflix documentary, and it just seemed like it was out to make him look like the worst guy in the world. Like, they, compared to the documentary I watched, it's like they interviewed people who he knew as a child. They're like, yeah, this was fucking surprising because he was a good kid and stuff like that. You know, we never would have thought he would have turned out like this. You watch that documentary, and one of the first, the trailer at least, the first thing you hear, it's like, yeah, when he was hanging out with his cousin who was a Vietnam War vet. His cousin would show him pictures of all the women he raped and stuff like that. I'm like, Jesus, this one paints a real different picture. So that was something I thought was pretty interesting. It, it doesn't the, fall into serial killer worship. No, it all. does not. It actually it, it actually very much frowns upon it. You know, the yeah. funny thing is, is and all I could think of was like, that's pretty much everyone's neighbor and family member of serial killers. Like, oh, we had no idea. <laughs> he was such a nice guy. He seemed normal. It's true. The, um, uh, Most of these motherfuckers, it's just like, you would never fucking There's know. a meme out there that's like, serial killers in movies, and it's a picture of Homer Simpson with a chainsaw and hockey mask. And then below that, serial killers in real life, and it shows Ned Flanders waving and smiling. It's yeah, absolutely yeah, true. Yeah, that, that checks out. <laughs> so, so as as Brandon was saying, this mainly follows the investigators, uh, Detective Carlito, um, who is following the case. The really the, the the part that made him really interesting and fucking terrifying is that his crimes were so random, random and diverse. Like he had literally no pattern at all. He's, it's kind of like, I think it really just boiled down to, like, the strangers. Like, you know, like, the whole line, you know, where they, where they say, why are you doing this? And like, because you were home. Like, and I think that's ultimately what it came down to, because he just walked into people's houses. Yeah. But it, a lot of it had to do with people it, left their shit open. It's one of the things I always found the most interesting about him. It's just, like, he had no rhyme or reason for doing shit. He's just like, eh, fuck it, I'm going to go and kill these people today. And how he killed them, he's just like, let's see, what do I want to do? Do I want to stab the shit out of you? Do I want to bludgeon you with a mallet? Maybe I just want to shoot you in the face. I he, don't know. He did a it, lot of things, including yeah. raiding their fridges. Yeah, um, yeah, and I just did a fact of the day about that. Um, there was one time he killed a couple, raided their fridge, ate everything in that fridge, threw up in their living room, jerked off, and then wrote a satanic symbol, and then left. Um, I, you know, like, the thing was, holy shit. Like, you, it, like 
I, I, I can't imagine, like, you know, I would never kill somebody, but if I did, I sure shit wouldn't hit, stick around for a fucking half an hour. Especially like, at the be- least. Especially to beat off in the living room? Like, yeah, I mean, like, like, the, like, the amount of balls that this guy had, or how psychotic he was, or both. Um, uh, the, fucking um, hell. And also, too, you gotta understand, too, is that, that not only that, and the part that's kind of overshadowed because murder is all, you know, awful all by itself, and ours and horrific and random, he was also a fucking raper and a child molester Rapist. as well. Rapist and child molester. Like, you know, he picked up some for you. But the crazy part is, though, he didn't kill the kid. Like, he just kept her around and then, like, dropped her off at a bus station. Like, you know, and then there are other times when he wouldn't kill somebody. So there was literally yeah. no rhyme or reason and, L- and L.A. hadn't been gripped in that kind of fear since Manson. So it was really interesting to see, you know, how the city kind of really changed. And that's another thing, too, about it. Um, and the part I really liked is it's very honest approach about Los Angeles. Um, uh, like they were like, well, like the first thing in the documentary is like, I mean, there are two sides, Los Angeles. There's the glamor that everybody sees, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Hollywood, but then there's everything else. Correct. And, and this was part of everything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh, my favorite part, my two favorite parts. Um, the first one is the whole thing with the shoe. Yeah, I found was, that fascinating. What a what a fucking what was the name of the brand that I, I don't remember shoot? the name of the brand, but they were just like it's a very it's a relatively new brand, and they actually contacted the inventor, the manufacturer, and they got like the whole breakdown of these are all the pairs of shoes that with that uh, type of sole that got imported to America. This is how many got shipped to this city, that city. And only one pair got shipped to L.A. So they were just like, okay, there's only one person in this city that can possibly have this shoe. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. yeah yes, it was, it was fucking wild, man. Like, you well, know. F- funny enough, that's not how they caught him. No, <laughs> no but no, no, that, no, no, that no. was yeah. part of the investigation. Yeah, gotcha. The, um, um, but then there was also, so I just found like that whole, they got so specific with the shoe manufacturer breakdown. Because like at that point, they really had nothing to go off of. Nothing. So yeah. they were literally just like, anything that they can pull from the crime scene they were investigating as thorough as they possibly could and it was insane that they they got down to that specific i mean literally like if they caught anybody with wearing that shoe that shoe directly ties i mean like it's kind of like finding a, a, a gun just the same as finding uh, finding a gun that's tied to a murder this is finding a shoe tied to a murder yeah and then the other favorite part of mine was when the uh, mayor of L.A. blabbed everything that they had. And they, the cops, were not happy because that killer had no idea what they knew. And now he did. Nothing. (laughs) um, And then it was like the police commissioner, I think it was, went on like after that. He was like, well, because of recent events, before we had very little. Now we have even less because of our politics. Like they. Oh, dude, the amount yeah. of the amount of, and this is a little bit more of my favorite part and least favorite part. The amount of bureaucratic bullshit they dealt with is was fucking disgusting. Yeah. Like, like literally, like okay, so he Richard Ramirez had fucked up teeth. Mm-hmm. They tracked him down to a specific dental office in Chinatown. They put two Los Angeles detectives in that dentist's office to sit on it. And they were actually Asian, so they would look like they were just customers in the neighborhood. 
they and literally the day the day that they removed those detectives because the Los Angeles County said, oh, it's not worth for them to be there. He showed up to get his fucking teeth fixed. And also, too, and then the, at the, the beginning, fucking car, the fucking car that they that he stole from some for some uh, uh, some girl, mm-hmm. literally, they uh, he stole the car, went to a chick's house. I think he uh, the, the amount of like coincidences and all this crazy shit. I think he stole the car, went to a girl's house, raped her. She happened to be the next door neighbor of the of the uh, of the of the of the forensic officer yep. that it, that was involved in this. She was screaming her name. Get out here! Like and, and then and then the and a, and, a, and a fucking black and white pulled this guy over. He said insurance. The guy ran the plates. Obviously stolen. Richard Ramirez grabbed what he needed to grab out of the car and then booked it and ran. They never caught him that day, but. Um, but how they caught him was great. But the um, uh, but the but that particular car was impounded by Los Angeles County, and they never let the, the detectives act, access it until months a month later, and they left the fucking car out in the middle of the lot. Yeah, in the sunlight. Well, the other interesting thing is the entire first episode of this four episode miniseries is basically it's you've got the murders but then you've got the uh stuff involving the kids which is a completely different unit and literally the entire first episode is just how they eventually came to the conclusion this is the same guy so it's like you're not even in like the official official investigation until episode two so episode one is back getting you to who is this guy that and, they're hunting? And, and, and poor Carlito, like, was the one who originally said, like, like these are connected, and they didn't believe him for yeah. for ye- for like a year. And even when it did get to that point, they're just like, no, I think it's just one guy. They're like, no, this can't be one guy. That's impossible. It's just <laughs> <some> <laughs> fucking hell. Surprise. The um, uh, so yeah, but the amount of like coincidences and like legal bullshit that that went up and around. Um, about this, like just the like a lot of very bureaucratic mistakes were made, and honestly, if they weren't made, there's a high probability that a lot of people wouldn't have died. The um, uh, you know, the whole thing with the dentist office, the whole thing with the car, it was it was one of those things that it really could have been fixed before other people died. But but yeah, I mean, like, but the craziest part though, my favorite part though, is when um. The um, I think Carlito, I believe, um, uh, the I, I think he was he, I think he almost he, I thought that he showed up to his house. Um, uh, I know one detective they he did show up to his house. Um, one one uh, like county cop, um, uh, their wife left the window open and he literally and Richard Ramirez tried to get in the house, he came into the house. Noticed that um, uh, that somebody was rustling around, and then I think left because they found his shoe print outside the cop's house, and and like he he was they interviewed him and he's like yeah he, we probably would have got killed in our sleep had my wife not woken up and said hey I think there's somebody downstairs, and I think too like Richard Ramirez I think figured out like where Carlito lived and and was fucking around with him because he was because I think some shit happened like a block down from him. So, like, it was very interconnected and, like, you know, a lot of shit was happening, like, within a couple miles. Like, that whole next-door neighbor thing, it was fucking insane. The, um, uh, you know, how everything was really interconnected. It was a phenomenal documentary, but they really, 
made the focus about the investigation yeah. and about the about the victims. And it does, um, like, I mean, being involved with an investigation like that for so long, uh, and going back to, like, Zodiac again, like, um, the tagline for the poster for Zodiac has always stayed with me, and that's there's more than one way to lose your life to a killer. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I think this is a very much falls into that. Like, even the uh, Frank Salerno, Sal- Salerno, I always have problems with last names, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But there was that one night where he just woke up and he was just like, I know he's in my house. And it's yeah. like, he literally just like checks, keeping his back to the wall with his gun. And it's like, even though he wasn't in his house, but he oh, checked that's everything. Right yeah. yeah. And then he just like turns on to the TV to watch a John Wayne movie that's on because it's like, he just can't get back to sleep after that. And I believe he got called in to one of the crime scenes shortly after that. Like fifteen minutes later, and I, and I think and I think that crime scene happened to be very close to his his yeah. neighborhood, and I think that was that was the really strange coincidence that it happened to be like a block over, a couple blocks over. It was very close to where he lived, um, uh, which was fucking insane. The um, <laughs> but though <laughs> how they got him though was fucking just just truly amazing. The um, uh, the um, uh, Zach, do you want to uh, want to tell that story about how they how they got him? So they finally f- nailed down who he was, and I can't remember exactly how they did it, but they finally did it. It was through a it was through a witness of a guy you know who was dealing I think dealing drugs um with him. Was it? Yeah, I think it had to do with the relationship it that he developed. It came to blows. Okay. Either yeah. way, they finally figured out it was Richard Ramirez. So they put hit all his pictures, everything they had in every fucking paper they could. So Richard Ramirez, I think he was coming back from uh, San Francisco or something. No, no, he was coming back from Texas. Texas? Okay. Because he's originally from Texas. That's right. Yeah, he was coming back from Texas, and he stopped at a gas station. And he noticed his people are starting to look at him. And I think he went to go get, like, a pack of fucking candy or something like that. And then he looks and he sees the paper, and then it's his face, bold letters, Night Stalker finally revealed. And then somebody points out, it's the Night Stalker. He books it. Because the whole funny thing is, is Frank Carlito actually said this had richard ramirez knew that we knew that he would have never came back he had no idea that we knew so he came back on a bus went to a bus depot there was a few cops waiting for him and he snuck out he realized that there was a couple cops there and that's kind of when he saw the whole picture and on on the newspaper and the doc that i watched it said that you know he went you know and then you know people pointed out was him you know he went to a fucking gas station or whatever and that you know as he's fucking booking it and stuff he runs into this Mexican neighborhood, runs into a couple guys. They hold him down. He gets into a fight well, with them. And on. then everyone starts fucking ganging up on his ass. And Yeah. But 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 he actually, before that, he actually went on a bus um, to escape the cops that were chasing him. Yeah. And then the guy who had the newspaper looked at him. Realized <laughs> he was literally him, on the bus. He and then he just gets off the bus, calls the cops immediately. And didn't he tell like some other truck... The Night Stalker's yeah. on that bus. Yes. Do not lose that They're bus. They're literally a gas, like an, an uh, Exelon truck um, of a guy. And, and then the, the fucking Exelon truck driver literally got on his CB radio and said, I'm following the Night Stalker. Um, uh, you know, he's on this bus. He literally got off and then finally got off that bus and then ran into the Mexican neighborhood. And they beat the shit out of him. <laughs> the- <laughs> And this guy was so scared of this fucking mob, he ran towards the cops to go get arrested. <laughs> the um, uh, the entire mob 
And that's how fucking fed up the city was with him. Like, I, like, I like how later that like they do play a few quotes from him, and he's like, "Yeah, if I had my gun, I would have just fired it." And they wouldn't have been as brave as they thought they were. And I'm just thinking, "Yeah, but you didn't." So yeah, so yeah, so you you were so fucking scared, you ran and got arrested, um, and then you know. It, it, yeah, and then of course the trial happened, and then he has got the famous picture with the pentagram on his, on his hand, and then, um, uh, you know, and they, then all the groupies. Which oh Jesus Christ! They, they even say like, there's even an interviewee in the document who's like, "There's something wrong with those women." They yeah, no well, no shit. shit. Um, so one of my favorite parts about when he finally got caught, um, I believe his name was Carlito. He was actually you know in the interrogation room with them. And I guess Ramirez started, like, freaking out, like, shaking and stuff like that. Like, he was having a fucking seizure. And he's just like, yo, I'm a brave man and everything. But I swear to Christ, if he would have started floating and just saying, like, Latin backwards or something, I would have been out of there. Just like, fuck this. My life's more than this. <laughs> I just looked, and Frank, Frank was like, I was like I, I, he was so convinced that this motherfucker was going to start floating like a demon. <laughs> I'm out, yo. I'm fucking out. It's like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, was, Everyone's uh, brave until demons get involved. Yeah, it was a really good documentary. I'm, I'm glad it I really binged was. it. The, uh, um, and what I, what I like about it is it was a very well-paced documentary. I like that, too. Um, Like, the episodes were no more than, like, 48 minutes each. Uh, there's only four of them. So, altogether, you're talking about just over three hours of story here and i feel they hit a lot of different things and especially since there are so many serial killer documentaries out there that just focus on the serial killer it i i thought it was a very nice change of pace to hear it from the investigation point of view because like to quote a uh, season three episode of breaking bad good guys never get the ink that the bad guys do so i i'm very glad that there is a documentary that did this and did it really well really entertaining and I felt like I learned something too. Yeah, I, um, and I would actually second that. And I and I think and I'm going to add a little bit to the whole the whole thing about the good guys never get the ink. The um, uh, one documentary is fantastic. I highly recommend it. Two, you were absolutely right. You know there is two ways for a serial killer to take a life, and these people went through fucking hell. Um, that were that were being victimized, that lost parents, grandparents. Yep. The investigators. And they did interview whatever victim survivors there were. Correct, correct. And, you know, they did it in a way that wasn't egregious. It was very respectful. Yeah. Like, there's a way you can balance entertainment, education, and respectfulness to to the people that were involved in the situation all in one. And they did a really good balancing act while at the same time making sure it's properly paced. It was a really good, really good trick. Um, uh, you know, really effective storytelling. Um, to keep all of those uh, points balanced at the same time, I highly recommend this. And also to add, I I am not a fan of glorifying serial killers. I never really have been. Um, uh, the um, I you know I find them fascinating for sure, like everybody else does. But I never want to glorify them. And and the, the, I liked that this wasn't about glorifying Richard Ramirez. This is about glorifying the investigators that sacrificed a lot. To make sure that he didn't kill anybody ever again, so you know, it, I think I think they did a really effective job. Highly recommend it. Yeah, so that's a very high recommendation from myself and Mark for Night Stalker. Zach did not was not able to watch the documentary, but does it sound like something you would check out? Oh yeah, at some point, whenever I have you know three hours to spare. But like I said, um, I watched something on um, on YouTube or actually more listened to it while I was at work. And yeah, I mean, he's a very 
He's an interesting subject. He's one of the more interesting serial killers in the, out there. And like I said, I fucking love his quote. Like, we all have the power to kill somebody in our hands. It's those who take advantage of it that control life itself. I think that's brilliant. And you know, and he also fanboys a lot too. Yeah. Like he wanted to stay in the same cell as the as the, yeah. as the, as the hillside strangler. Well, dude, yeah. he, fucking, he, actually, he studied a lot of serial killers growing up too. Like did, he fucking idolized a lot of these people. Yeah, which I'll just my my last point before we wrap up here. Yeah, it's like I didn't realize until towards the end that that was the serial killer that said that quote that you said Zach a few podcasts yeah. back. And then I'm just like, now that I saw the guy and I saw some of the other quotes he gave, I'm just like, really? It's this pretentious guy? Okay. <laughs> and, and the last point I'll make, too, is and I think the part that was really eerie was the other detective, not um, uh, not the casino, but the other guy. Um, uh, not Frank, but, uh, but the other dude. Um, and he's like, yeah, he was a student. Like, he recognized, uh, recognized the detective's name, and he was a student on serial killers. Like, he really, really knew his shit. Uh, when it came to knowing things. so And he's like, I think that's probably part of the reason why he got away with it for so long. is because he was a student of our techniques and their techniques. And he knew how long he could he can keep this going without getting caught. Right. So, yeah. Uh, Night Stalker on Netflix. Um, I believe there is a longer title that you might find it under. It is Night Stalker, The Hunt for a Serial Killer. Uh, very, high, very highly recommended from two of us. It'll probably be checked out by the third of us at some point. So with that, I hope you enjoyed today's Nightmares minicast. You can check out all of our previous podcasts wherever podcasts are available. Also be sure to look us up on all of our social media at Midwest Horror Network on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and... And of course, if you are checking us out on YouTube, if you can stab that like button, smash that subscribe, and click that little dingy bell to be notified every time we drop amazing content right here on MHN. And if you've already stabbed the subscribe button, go ahead and smash that share button. That'd be really awesome, too. And if you are checking us out on a podcast streaming platform, press the follow button so you never missed a minicast or a regular podcast on the Nightmares podcast. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time.